Hey, I've got some exciting news for you. For nearly a decade, the Social Media Marketing Society has been helping marketers like you to keep up with the changing times. This is our private community just for marketers, and the doors are open right now. When you join, you get access to ongoing training and become part of a welcoming community of marketers who are just like you. Learn more at smmarketingsociety.com. Again, smmarketingsociety.com. Welcome to the Social Media Marketing Podcast, helping you navigate the social media jungle. And now, here's your host, Michael Stelzner. Hello, hello. Thank you so much for joining me for the Social Media Marketing Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Stelzner. This is the podcast for marketers and for business owners who want to know what works with social media. I am super excited about today's show. Today, we're going to explore how YouTube can help you build your brand with Steve Spangler. And if you don't know who Steve is, he's a science guy, a teacher who makes science fun for kids, and he's got some super popular YouTube channels. And we're going to get into exactly what his experience has been with YouTube, and you'll take a lot of great insights away from that interview. In addition, we have a caller question on how to merge Facebook fan pages. As a matter of fact, let's go ahead and answer that question right now. And by the way, just want to give you a heads up that I'm not going to be the one answering the question. Instead, I've asked Andrea Vall, who is our social media community manager for Social Media Examiner, to answer that question. So let's go ahead and take that question. Deep from within a remote jungle village, here's this week's social media question. Hi, my name is Frances Arnold, and I'm with NamasteNutritionist.com. And my question today is about my Facebook fan pages. And I have a couple of fan pages that I opened early on when I was branding. And I, I separated my brand because I wasn't sure how to bring the two worlds of yoga and nutrition together. Well, now I'm trying to bring those two worlds together on one Facebook page and Facebook wouldn't actually let me bring those two pages together, so I made a third page. And I, I just don't know how to bring everybody together onto one page because it's hard to contact everyone when I can't email them or um, you kind of lose your following if you're not managing all three pages really well. So whatever you can do to give me some insight around this topic, it would be so, so wonderful and appreciated because... I've just been racking my brain and talking to a lot of people and looking for suggestions and haven't come up with any good solutions. So I hope to hear from you and thank you so much. I just love what you're doing with Social Media Examiner. It's a wonderful resource. Thanks and take care. Bye-bye. Hi, Francis. This is Andrea Ball, and I took a look at your Facebook page, Namaste Nutritionist. And I wanted to give you a little bit of advice on how I think is best to shift people from one page to a new page. Uh, one thing you can do if you have rebranded your company and your, your brand is to make an official request to get a name change with Facebook on, on both of those pa pages you have had in the past and then merge them into one page. This can be a little bit tricky. This is kind of a tricky process with Facebook you usually have to have some official documentation 
that shows that you've rebranded or shows that you have a new official name, such as a bill or something like that, that you can upload. So if you don't have something like that, if you're kind of just going through a more unofficial branding change, then what I would recommend is starting a new page like you did, but then taking the other two pages and running some promoted posts to your fans of those pages saying that you are moving and to link to the new Namaste Nutritionist page. I would also put a link and a tag of, of your page in that post that you are going to promote. The other thing I would do in that post that you're going to promote is give people some good reasons why they should come over and like your new page. Say something like, hey everyone, I wanted to let you know I'm rebranding. We're going to have all the great tips you used to like about yoga, plus some additional fantastic tips about nutrition that uh, you will love too. So come on over and like our new page, and then link to it and tag it. Now, uh, the promoted posts will then push this out into the newsfeed of all your fans. Now the issue is you're not going to get all of your fans to come over to the new page. That's just how it always is. Uh, people uh, aren't always there, they're maybe not active anymore, and that's okay. I wouldn't worry too much about those people who don't make that transition over. You want to focus on maybe the people who are going to interact with your page more, who already like all your posts, and will want to follow you to the new page. So, and, and then focus on building your new page from there. So hopefully that helps, and good luck with all your rebranding and your new Facebook page. Well, Francis, I hope you found uh, Andrea's answer useful. If you want to get your question answered and possibly have it included in a future episode of this podcast, you can record your answer at socialmediaexaminer.com slash voicemail, and you'll be given the opportunity to go ahead and mention your uh, company and website, and we will be sure to link to that in the show notes. I was recently at Social Media Marketing World, and I had a chance to connect with some of our best customers. A lot of them listen to our podcast, just like you do. Not everyone knows what I'm about to share with you. We do something special here at Social Media Examiner. The best of the best of the guests that you hear on the Social Media Marketing Podcast not only teach at our conference, but they're also part of our secret society called the Social Media Marketing Society. Each month, our top-tier guests who have been on my show are invited to train inside our society for an exclusive group of marketers who are just like you. The training is designed to help you go from being a passive consumer of content to a marketer who is in active learning mode. So if you're ready to make real progress with your marketing, you're a perfect fit for the Social Media Marketing Society. Join us by visiting smmarketingsociety.com. We've got a really big sale that is ending very soon, so don't delay. Again, visit smmarketingsociety.com and join today. Okay, well, with that, let's transition over to today's expert interview. To help simplify your social safari, here's this week's special guest. I'm joined today by Steve Spangler. If you don't know who Steve is, he makes science fun for children of all ages, and that includes me. He's the author of Fire Bubbles and Exploding Toothpaste and Naked Eggs and Flying Potatoes. He also has a number of YouTube shows focused on science experiments, 
The ones that I'm aware of include Six Science, The Spangler Effect, and Spangler Science TV. Steve, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. There's That's a lot of stuff to have to say at the very beginning. You should just, I think, simplify it by simply saying, so here's a guy that never really got a job, uh, likes to make a lot of science fun, and uh, someday will maybe have a job. But until then, this is pretty fun. How's that? Is that better? <laughs> that, that totally works. And I've got okay. a feeling that you really do have a job. And we're going to explore this a little bit. But um, right. in today's show... What we're going to focus on is really how you are using YouTube to build your brand and your business. And Steve, I took a look at your your YouTube shows and I'm seeing based on my quick assessment that you're getting between 30 to 1000 30 to 30,000 to 80,000 viewers for each of these episodes that you're coming out with, which I think is just phenomenal. Can you kind of take us back to how you first got started with YouTube? Sure. Uh, so we go back to, uh, let me put some reference in here so you understand how we're developing content. Started out as a teacher in, uh, in 1991. And as a result of that, that means that you need to find another job typically <laughs> if you want to feed a family. Right. And uh, so you do other things. Uh, started working in television. Uh, the local NBC affiliate happened to be one of the original O&Os, the owned and operated station. So the NBC had a, or NBC had a pretty big presence here in Denver. Um, continued with that station Every week that light would come on and I'd have to come up with some content. Um, if you fast forward, continued doing TV uh, and and was doing this little thing called um, drop some Mentos in a Diet Coke. Mm. And it never was dropping Mentos into a Diet Coke, but it was in uh, – uh, we were dropping Lifesavers. We were dropping anything we could in the mid-90s just to try to teach the science lesson that there's carbonation in soda. And you're trying to find something that has these little tiny pits and it would pull the carbon dioxide out. That's all we're doing. So I'd been dropping Mentos in a Diet Coke for a long time. Nobody really cared. Nobody cared. It was in September of 2005 that uh, Monday rolled around again, and that means it's Spangler Science Monday here in Denver. And uh, the uh, we're in the backyard, and I tell the nice lady I'm working with, who I've worked for for years and years and years, who's wearing this lovely St. John's outfit. And I said, Kim, you got to stand back. Remember this thing? You got to drop it in. And when you drop it in, you got to stand back. And lo and behold, she didn't. <laughs> and uh, it's you know, would Diet Coke on a Saint pink St. John's outfit is not terribly beautiful, but it was perfect for what happened. This was the perfect storm. She did it two more times. This is live television. Uh, it's the four o'clock hour, so it's soft TV. That means that she had to do the five, the six, the nine, and the ten with no change of clothes. <laughs> Every single break, segment, whatever, they're fixing her hair. She's a great sport, but I can tell you it got a lot of play. I was doing a little thing called a blog at the time. I had no idea what I was getting into, but a great advisor, uh, just like you, uh, told me uh, you should do a blog. And so the blog post was, News Anchor Gets Soaked, Science Experiment Goes Awry. Um, that blog post was picked up by the AP and whoever else. And I got called into the office of the video, gosh, online video uh, VP, whatever it is for Gannett and here in Denver uh, at the station that I worked at and said, uh, I don't know what you did, but you've shut down the server. You so have how long ago was this? Server. What year is 2005, this? 2005, September 2005. Wow. In September 2005, there was a little unknown website started called um, YouTube. And so it was pretty easy at home to scrape that content and throw it up on this little unknown channel called YouTube. 
and it literally took off. So did you guys put it up on YouTube or did, I mean, did you actually, or was it somebody else that saw it and stuck it up on YouTube? Somebody else saw it because I didn't want to lose my job. So gotcha. if, if I would scrape that, then that's you know completely against what the thought was back then. Back then, you have to remember 2005, no station was using YouTube. That's the evil empire, you know? Right. Everybody was protecting their content. Today, we have a YouTube channel as part of Nine News. So it's, uh, it's amazing how the, the, the times have changed. But bottom line, whoever scraped that and put that original video up um, got its million views. And there was no determination back then as to what viral really was. But um, that little thing is the piece that took off. And there were thousands upon thousands of related videos. And, and we laugh at it from a science standpoint because it was the most popular emulated duplicated, whatever, um, science experiment you could ever think of. Uh, and it's because we think because for 20 years, people kept on saying, don't try this at home. Don't try this at home. And now these kids are saying, not only am I going to try it at home, but I'm going to put it on this thing called the internet and see how many people like it. So it was a real psychic kind of income. And I think that's really what made it take off. So, um, what do you tell, just give us a little bit of, uh, what happened for you and for your career after this YouTube video went viral? Um, I, nothing really, uh, to be honest with you. Uh, there were a lot of other YouTube videos that went up and there's guys on the East coast that had their, their lab coats and they did the Bellagio fountains kind of function and so forth. Um, probably the biggest piece for me from a business standpoint is I, you know, I figured, uh, the advice was probably right. You don't get rich off the video. You get uh, you you acquire some business success or whatever when you find out what to do with that video or with that traffic or whatever that might be. And so that literally got the attention of the people who make Mentos. Uh, I've been trying to get their attention for four years before that, but the Italians thought that that's the craziest thing uh, that could ever take place with their candy. And uh, so. Finally got their attention. So if you can't get through the front door, you go through the back door. And now all of a sudden I got a call from them and they said, all right, you better come to Kentucky and we better talk. And so, you know, you're thinking it's a lawsuit. And what they basically said was, what do you want? And uh, I said, I want licensing rights on Mentos because we've invented a couple toys that hook to two liter bottles and allow you to create these amazing soda geysers. And so we entered into that agreement and uh, have been producing geyser tube related toys, mass market in places like Walmart and Target and places like that for what the last um, six years. That is a totally incredible story. Let, fun? Let's fast forward to today. Okay. Talk to me about how you're using YouTube today. Okay. So back then, everybody said, why in the world would you put free content online? You should be charging for this. And uh, there was just a feeling in my gut that this was the right thing to do. So uh, we started in 2007 uploading a lot of video to YouTube. Um, didn't really know what we were doing, just put the video out there. And uh, that video helped brand awareness. It's funny, I've done television for 22 years. I've made, I think, maybe 1,200 uh, television appearances. And none of that compares to the um, quasi-celebrity you get given YouTube. Mm. There are people who know who you are and know your brand and are brought to your services because they see you on YouTube and they, they think that that's the authority. Um, so, you know, there, there is a, in our 
in our day and age, there is no waiting for anybody to give you your break. You don't have to wait for that producer. You don't have to wait for the Today Show. You don't have to wait for anything. All you have to do is to have some compelling content and uh, present it in such a way that people look at it and go, uh, great, uh, very, very interesting, and they drive traffic to your site. So it, nobody's holding you down, which I think is the important thing. That's awesome. So let's talk about your shows because um, you've got some different show formats. Like Six Science is a very short, like one or one and a half minute show. And then the Spangler effect is more you in front of the camera talking, uh, being funny and showcasing some of your science experiments. Can you kind of lay out some of the different strategies behind your different shows? Sure. So for the listeners, if you go to youtube.com slash Steve Spangler Science, that's the main landing page for the three channels that you're seeing there. Um, And there's a lot uh, of just regular videos, some of the very first videos we ever put up. And and maybe that's a good example if they're actually examining YouTube, because I think on that channel, you're going to find six or seven hundred videos on that Steve Spangler Science video or that Steve Spangler Science um, channel. Um, so that's where you would go. Um, there, there are videos on there that are clips from old shows, uh, old interviews, um, very in the early years, very little of me just standing and delivering. It's typically in some sort of news format because that's the, um, uh, the work that I was in at the time. Six science was, was created because as a professional speaker, I'm on the wrote a lot and our team needed to continue to pump content into the stream so uh, a wonderful editor and creator that we have here on this uh, on this in by the name of Bradley Mayhew uh, came up with the idea of let's just cut off Steve's head and let's make it so that you don't have to hear his voice and in fact we don't even have to have Steve what if we put the focus on the experiment and not the personality I was going to ask is it itself. you is it you and no, all it's not, no 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 it's not me oh, okay uh, no it's not me uh so we sit there and say, this is what we want to do. But the focus was, what would happen if we put all the focus on the experiment and took the focus off the personality? Because that seems to be a brain stopper for some people. They see somebody doing an experiment, and the first thing we do is we look at them and say, are they old or are they young? Are they male or female? Uh, how do they talk? Uh, so if you eliminate all of that, we put this campy little music bed behind it. And the only thing that we did that was different than the format that we had done before is we show a science experiment. So let me give you an example. It may be the egg that goes into the bottle. Got it? So there's a milk bottle and you try to get the hard boiled egg into the milk bottle. So the music plays, it says you need an egg and a bottle and whatever else. Then you see uh, a piece of paper that's lit and and the piece of paper goes down into the empty bottle and the egg is put on top. You see some fluttering and then bam, it falls right in, right? Right. Um, and, And the question at the end is what made the huge change for YouTube and that is uh, in the comments below, tell us how you think this works. That's it. Interesting. Didn't say the air inside is heated up and whatever. We just simply, the strategy was, I wonder how many people would comment. So let me tell you what happened. The six or 800 videos that we had already had up on YouTube prior to Six Science averaged probably between six and 10 comments. And many of those were first or cool science or just some sort of horrible comment, right? Um, As soon as we put up Six Science, uh, I believe that first video that we put up had 850 comments. Wow. And 850 engaging comments where people, and we don't know, you know, other than just using Google Analytics, uh, their age or anything like that, where people were saying, 
the reason the egg went in the bottle was because of this, and they would lay out how that works. And our, our your listeners can go to the channel and, and take a look at what happens to the comments today. But there's somebody else saying, no, I think it works this way. And it was truly that level of engagement, not the number of hits that got YouTube's attention that ultimately led to the offer that we were given to uh, to be one of the 100 funded channels. So let's compare that to your uh, Spangler Effect show. Talk a little bit about that show. Spangler Effect was a show when YouTube came to us uh, through Google and said, uh, what would happen if we gave you some money and had you do a show? Number one, are you interested in doing a show? Uh, number two, what would you do? And we said, we don't know. And they said, you have until Friday to figure it out. <laughs> and uh, so you sit there and you say, well, I think I'd do what everybody else has said they wouldn't do. And we've been pitched a number of show ideas. But one of the things that we wanted to do was to, what if we took a simple science experiment, shared the science experiment, made it a little bit better, a little bit bigger, and then all of a sudden took it to extreme level. Took it to, you know, it's not an egg in a bottle. It's uh, this huge wrecking ball. That, you know, whatever it is, what is the extreme that you could do with that? And we said we'd like to take um, that idea and be able to introduce something you can do at home and something you couldn't do at home. And we had no idea what the name of the show was or anything. The people at YouTube had poured through a lot of our video and the person who was in charge of the project, uh, project said, I think we should call it the Spangler effect. Mm. And uh, we were a little dumbfounded on this. And, and uh, he said, I think that there's an effect that you have or at least an effect that you have on my kid when she watches your videos. She seems to be just enthralled with this. And she says, he says, I don't know what that is, but we're calling it the Spangler effect. So that's how the show came about. And today that show is very different from the way that we pitched it. And if you want to go down that path, I'm happy to share that with you. But it's the early days of that show in contrast to the very last episode of this first season is a very, very different experience. Yeah. I mean, share share a little bit of you. Uh, for those people that are listening right now that are that want to have their own show, whether they're fortunate enough to be approached by YouTube or not, share a little bit of the learning experience that you've had of what makes a good show. The secret is listen to your audience. Being in traditional television for many, many years, the feedback we used to get was you would do a story and three days later you might get a letter in the mail or somebody would call the switchboard and you'd talk to them on the phone. Today, we get to see what our viewers do immediately using the analytics that are built into YouTube. So we thought that if you start simple and go big, it's fantastic. And what we found out was we were losing 60% of our audience. So 100% so show up at the very beginning. We were losing 60% of the audience in the first 23 seconds. Really? We thought, what in the world did we do in the first 23 seconds? Oh, I know. We did an open. We wrote this fancy open. and We had images flying in and we had clips and we had whatever. And, and we did a show open like a show would normally have. And we found that in 23 seconds, we were losing the vast majority of the audience. Hmm. So how do you change that? We come right in. Uh, we found that our safety note at the beginning, you would always stop and say, so a quick word about safety. And then we would roll this little 15, 20 second thing. We lost huge numbers of people. So we learned by watching the audience over the first 10 or 12 episodes that they wanted something compelling in the first 20 seconds to grab their attention. Then they would permit us to do the open, and then we could sneak in the safety notice that the lawyers had us sneak in. But we had to grab their attention at the very beginning. 
The other thing that we noticed is that our audience fell off. That 60% mark is really important, I guess, from an analytics standpoint for YouTube, or at least what they shared with us and kind of have been coaching us along the way. You want to know when when you can, you know, you don't, you don't want to lose your audience, especially if your message is at the very end. We noticed that um, no matter what we did, uh, as soon as we moved to a, an experiment that you could not do at home and replicate at home, we lost our audience. Really? We were banking on and working so hard on these big, huge kinds of things. You know, you, you, instead of crushing a can, we wanted to crush a, uh, a huge 55-gallon drum. And as soon as we moved into this bigger-than-life kind of thing, our viewers went, eh, no thank you, and moved on to something else. So believe it or not, we went back to YouTube and said, look, we're losing our audience. We think if we change our format, we can keep our audience. By the end of this first season, we're retaining 87% of the people up and through the 12-minute mark. And that seems to be the magic time for the show. Well, one of the things that you're doing that I think is brilliant is somehow you're using these little skip things. Like I remember you you come on and you say, hey, in today's show, we're going to talk about something or another. And then you have that standard little uh, music play. But then you have a little thing that shows up that says you can skip past this. Oh, yeah. That's something that seems brilliant because your regulars probably don't want to see that, right? And then they can get right into the content. Is that something you picked up along the way as well? Exactly. So we want the open so it establishes credibility and authority. Um, and, I, you know, I'd, I'd kind of like to have some of that video that we were permitted to use from the Ellen Show or whatever else in part of our agreements. Um, but if you're right, the people who have seen that before, they don't want to see that again. Give them the option to pop out. The other thing that was super important was our use uh, recently of annotations. So for people who want more information about it, uh, many of us who are running a business, we're in, you know, you're, you're not going to make your life fortune off a of monetization of these YouTube videos. Uh, it's a whole nother Oprah and a bottle of wine. All right. So we can talk about that at a later time. You're trying to drive traffic, hopefully, to something else. And annotation will allow you to do that uh, for the first time ever to be able to jump off of that page and to be able to go some other place. I think you do a great job of that. For example, you'll pop up an annotation that says uh, click here to, um, for example, uh, get a detailed list of all the things you need for this experiment or something along those lines. And it right. takes you right to your website. And then when you're on your website, you have this opportunity to opt into your list, which is brilliant. Let's transition for a second and talk about how you get the word out about these YouTube shows. And I know you've got one recently, that one kind of viral. Can you explain, give some tips about maybe what you've learned about how to help these videos actually be seen? Um, all right. So what's the best way to, uh, to head down this path? Uh, one of the things that we learned early on is that people always thought that I was a, a youth speaker, uh, a kid's performer. And we learned very early on, if you're going to sustain a business, that there's not too many kids that are running around with a Visa card, you know, or have a, a MasterCard. That they're, so they're, they're not the customers. We had to realize very, very early on, and I mean many years ago, that um, this business that we were doing was targeted towards adults and trying to teach them to do these cool things with their kids. Mm. So that shift was really important because if I was just a kid's performer, then our YouTube channel would look very different and I'd be trying to advertise in in different venues. Um, So for us to get word out about our our YouTube stuff um, all started with just 
typical guerrilla marketing at the very beginning, the things that we all learned years ago. Whenever I speak, we've got cards that are sitting out there saying, hey, every week I'll send you a new experiment. I'll show you what we're doing. Just trust me with your email and I promise you that we'll, uh, we'll send you the link and that's all we'll send you. And that's exactly what we did. So we built that list to hundreds of thousands. Um, so on a weekly basis, um, it took a long time to do that, but that's just one way to be able to send that email out that says, hey, um, the new video is up. Take a look at this. But our savvy listeners right now will know that you've got that subscribe feature. So I think what YouTubers want more than anything else is for you to click the subscribe button because when you subscribe to the channel, now every time we put something up on that channel, that list of people get to see that. And there is a huge amount of trust in my mind with what we put up. I cannot inundate them with you know, five videos a week. They don't want to see five videos a week. Our viewers, what we've learned, and, and other people must be different, but for us, our viewers want one video a week. That's it. And some of our viewers don't want to watch the Spangler effect. They don't have 12 to 15 minutes. They don't want to see the goofy stuff that we're doing behind the scenes and kind of what that looks like. They just want to see that sick science video or they want to see what I did on, on television on Monday that's put up there. So we segment our list so we can invite people to subscribe only to the channel that means the most to them. Uh, the likelihood of retaining those people I think is much higher than just the shotgun approach of throwing stuff out to them and they don't need it so immediately they, uh, they unsubscribe. If I can just clarify, when you say segmenting your list, are you now referring to the email side of things? Uh, yes, uh, but probably more so when I'm segmenting the subscribers. Oh, so on, I'm on the trying, YouTube channels. Right. So I'm trying to offer I, – I, I've taken – and broken them into channels because we're trying to only put content on those channels that are appropriate for the name of the channel. Uh, YouTube.com slash Steve Spangler Science, as I told you, has a lot of stuff because that's our very first channel. And I'm not willing to remove those videos. Uh, there are a number of those videos that are at you know 500,000 to a million. And I don't want to lose that traction by taking that video down and going and starting over again by sticking it on a new channel. Right. So that really is, um, you know, it, it's it's a we don't load up anything other than uh, what we've told our subscribers that we're going to load up now. But there's some there's some legacy kind of information that's there. So I guess in short, what we've learned is that you create a channel and stick to that focus. So if there are one minute business marketing tips, then that's what you need to do. Or if there are one minute, you know, recipes, uh, that, you know, for, for things to make at home, uh, then that's exactly what it is. But you don't convolute that with now a cute video of your kid doing something else. You've got to have another channel for that uh, and make sure that that's possible. Steve, for the person who's listening right now who has just a little seed of an idea in his or her mind about starting something on YouTube, what advice would you give to them? Um, sit down and map out where what you would like to see uh, happen to the content online. Is this is this purpose of you putting the content on YouTube to drive traffic and to serve as a introduction to something else that you're doing? Uh, or is this the end all be all? You're trying to be a pop star and you you know you want people to just watch your videos. There are a number of professional speakers that are part of the National Speakers Association who use YouTube not to sell product or sell books or anything. They want to be the authority. So when it comes to 
business leadership strategies. There are a number of people that say, I want to be the go-to person, and I'm going to use YouTube to put out as much information as I can to just prove to that audience out there that I truly am a thought leader when it comes to that, and that's kind of their calling card. So instead of a website that's sitting out there and, and pushing information, they're using YouTube to uh, allow that to happen. So I think you have to have a very clear vision. It's very difficult to put content up on YouTube and then take it down and then go stick it behind a paywall or something uh, if you decide that you want to go sell it later on. Uh, I, I would much rather have that strategy early on and know what I'm doing and the reason why I'm putting stuff up on YouTube. You know, and I think it's a very, very piece, uh, great piece of wisdom you're giving here because the same thing goes to blogging. You can't just assume that if you uh, set up a blog tomorrow that all of a sudden people are going to come. And Correct. I've had a lot of, you know, uh, great desires when I put my videos up on YouTube back in the day that they would have gone crazy viral and nothing happened. And it's because yeah. I didn't have the strategy. So, you know, it, it, it's wise. And and you see so many of these overnight sensations on YouTube, everybody just thinks, well, that's what's going to happen. But that's not really the reality that I'm hearing from you. It takes a lot of work and a lot of determination and a lot of strategy to um, to grow something along the lines of what you built. Right. Well, uh, yes, and you said it much better than I did, so I appreciate that. Uh, and the 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 piece, I guess, I've learned. It's amazing how much I didn't know last week that I know this week, uh, and it seems like that happens every <laughs> single week of my life. Um, last week, uh, uh, I guess where I'm going going to go with this, and I'll tell you the uh, the the point of the beginning and then the illustration. You have to be prepared for the, the time that the video takes off. You have no idea what's, which video is going to take off. I don't care who's out there that's listening. Go ahead and plan a viral video and then show me how you do that. It doesn't in our world happen, maybe in somebody else's world. And when a video does take off for some reason, the real failure is not having your ducks in a row at the end, right? So there's, there's this tremendous call to action and you don't have anything to follow it up. Mm. Case in point, last Tuesday, uh, we put out our experiment of the week, uh, uh, which is our sixth science video every Wednesday morning. So last Tuesday, our people on our email list get it a day before anybody else. I don't know why. We've just always done it that way. Uh, who would have known that one of the producers at the Today Show is subscribed to that email list? And so that person gets our six science video, and this is episode number 126. So there's 125 more of these videos that are sitting out there. This one happened to be pulling iron out of breakfast cereal. You can oh, take a yeah. box of total cereal and pull some iron out. Got it? Yeah. So uh, the Today Show, we didn't even know it was going to happen. Uh, I got a note on my Facebook page that says, saw you on the Today Show. Really cool plug at 8.05. And so you roll back the DVR. Thank goodness uh, it was it was on. And you look at it and it's on there, what's trending kind of thing. And there was a nice little 30-second spot saying, the people over at Six Science are pulling iron out of breakfast cereal. By the time I got to the office, my business manager had – easily half dozen calls from other producers of other shows who wanted access and rights to that video. Wow. Now, what you're just saying, is that kind of strange because it's YouTube? Can't they just take it down? And the answer is yes, but they're doing the right thing by asking permission. And what they're asking the, you is for permission to help make your video go viral. And if you don't have the steps in place to be able to say, absolutely, thank you, do you need a clean copy? Do you want the YouTube copy? If you use the YouTube copy, please use this header and please make this reference to it and these producers will do it. But if you don't know to ask, then they just literally opened up this window of opportunity and it's gone, right? 
Wow. And then what happens? They come to your site and you better make sure that you have some information on your site about that video or can very quickly change the site somehow and so it's branded correctly. So thank goodness people went to sixscience.com, although they never said go to sixscience.com, and um, that we made that our movable landing page so they could find out more about it and hopefully gain more subscribers or sell a, or sell a science kit or whatever it is that we're doing on this end. But we had to be prepared for that and move very quickly because you just – I truly don't, do not believe that you can tell when this thing is going to take off. That's awesome. And that, that, that's a great example of uh, being prepared. I love it. Um, one last two, – two quick questions. Um, you, are, uh, you mentioned in one of your videos about live streaming on YouTube. Can you share a little bit about what your plans are with live streaming? Um, I think I saw a video in the last week or two where you talked about your next season and how you're going to be oh, experimenting yeah. with it. Well, YouTube gave us the permission or the opportunity to be able to stream live from our place here. So we can use it very similar to a Ustream. Um, and sometimes I don't know what's open to everyone and what's open as a result of being a partner. But I believe that that uh, ability is is opening itself up. If not, of course, it's through Google with Google Hangouts. Right. Uh, and, and by the time people are listening to this, everything's changed and you will be able to do that. Bottom line is that – our subscribership, our viewers liked uh, during the season when we did a live show. So we literally did a live show. We made it look like QVC and we did it for Christmas and we went from table to table and we had graphics that looked like QVC and it was just all fun, you know, doing this little live thing. The response was tremendous. Who would have thought? And so we said, would you like us to do it again? And all you have to do is put the question out to the YouTube audience and ask them. And if you listen to them and respond, it's amazing how loyal the following is. And it's like, yeah, we want more live stuff. So we are going to incorporate more live stuff, uh, which is a wonderful way for us to interact with this YouTube audience, for us to be able to be invited into their home, their computer, whatever, uh, their time, and to say, hey, listen, next week we're doing a, a, a live segment. We're going to do three experiments that we haven't done before uh, in the library. If you have a favorite, let us know what it is, and we'll do it for you live and show you some of the tricks that, uh, that uh, we would normally only do during one of our teacher seminars. And the engagement is huge. That's awesome. Steve, um, where can folks learn more about you or where do you want to send folks that are listening right now if they want to kind of check out your stuff? Oh, you're very nice. Um, probably our main site would be fantastic, and it's just stevespanglerscience.com. So if you go to stevespanglerscience.com, this is our uh, e-commerce platform, and from there you can jump over and you can do a whole bunch of different things that way. So that will tell you a little bit about what we're doing on the business side. If you'd like to check us out over on the YouTube side, uh, just simply go to youtube.com slash stevespanglerscience, and uh, that will open up. Uh, the unfortunate part of doing that, what you need to know is – Make sure there's a, a, cough, a pot of coffee ready and uh, <laughs> because once you click on one video, then you click on the next and you click on the next and the next thing you know, you're going, where have the two and a half hours gone? I could never get this time back in my life. But uh, hopefully at the very end, you go, there's a guy who uh, turned a fraternity basically into a business. Uh, we have 43 people who are with us and uh, I come to work and there's never an ending uh, of the creativity. It's just a, a, the limited number of hours of the day to try to pull this stuff off. Well, I want to 
strongly recommend folks check out Steve's website and his YouTube channel. And you must have uh, you must have somehow read my mind because that's exactly what happened. I was watching your videos for like two hours. <laughs> well, and you're um, going. I got to get a trash can and a smoke <laughs> machine, didn't you? You said that, or you said I need twenty five hundred boxes of cornstarch in a swimming pool. Either of those questions probably came out of your mind. Absolutely. Well, um, Steve Spangler, uh, really incredible insight from you today. I just want to thank you for taking time out of your busy day for joining us for this episode of our podcast. I am honored to get to be a part of, uh, of what you're doing. Thank you. Well, I hope you got a lot of the interview and I really do want to recommend you check out Steve's YouTube channels. You will be absolutely blown away with the production quality of the videos that he's producing on science. It's just incredible. Uh, if you want to check out the show notes for this particular podcast, visit socialmediaexaminer.com slash 27. And if you enjoy the show, you can help let your friends know about it by visiting socialmediaexaminer.com slash love. This will pre-populate a tweet into your Twitter stream, letting your friends know about the podcast. And I would really appreciate it. This does bring us to the end of the Social Media Marketing Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Stelzner. If you enjoy this show, I would be indebted to you if you'd go over to iTunes and rate and review our show. You can do that very easily by visiting socialmediaexaminer.com slash iTunes. I hope you make the absolute best out of your day and may social media continue to change your world. The Social Media Marketing Podcast is a production of Social Media Examiner. Hey, just a quick reminder, join the Social Media Marketing Society today and level up your marketing for your company or your clients. Visit smmarketingsociety.com to find out more.